Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Today, Kyle Malmstrom has a special guest and that is Tom Burns. Hello, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me today. Heck yeah. I'm so excited to be here. And I know that you've got a great guest. Tom's in the studio with you. I know you're socially distancing and doing all that good stuff, uh, but why don't you introduce Tom to the audience? Thanks for joining me today, Tom. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the cornerstones of financial planning, Eric, and that is retirement plans. Retirement plans from a, from a business standpoint is really what we're going to be talking about. And so I brought Tom in today. Tom's with Premier Plan Consultants. He's the president of that. I've known Tom for 13 years, 14 years, long time. He's been a staple in the San Diego community here. So Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, Kyle, thanks for having me here today. Kind of a lot of fun. Look forward to having, having a little conversation about business retirement plans and see if we can help some people out in the process. In the industry, my firm is what's called a third party administrator or TPA. Quite frankly, most people don't know companies like mine exist until we get until they get to a spot where they own a business and they're starting to look to their business retirement plan strategies, whether that's for employee retention or business owner tax planning or a combination of the above. Um, so effectively what we do is we work with financial advisors, accountants, and business owners to help them develop the best retirement plan strategy based on the specific goals of their company. That's a great explanation. I know a lot of people don't know what a TPA is. And are you seeing a lot of people today? What's, what's it look like in your office at the end of the year? Yeah, year end for us is busy. And I to put it, I guess, uh, lightly, this has been an interesting year uh, yeah. with COVID. When you look at kind of the, the business planning and strategies, I think a couple of things we've seen this year is obviously March, April businesses. The focus of our practice really in working with local businesses was really the strategy around their retirement plan and COVID and how some of the new laws, whether it's the CARES Act or PPP, how those, you know, how their retirement plan interacted with that. You know, we had to learn a lot about laws that didn't exist at the beginning of the year and really help walk our clients through that. So we spent a lot of kind of early part of the year in that strategy. I think the really interesting thing I found is as we've migrated here towards the end of the year, the amount of businesses that are making money and being successful this year there's been some pent up demand. So that's been a, a welcome surprise, if you will. Most of my clients are probably in the 10 employee to 50 employee range. And they're typically closely held businesses with local business owners. It's been refreshing as we've gotten here to the end of the year to see that those companies have some extra money, are looking at doing things for tax planning purposes, are looking at different ways to take care of their employees because we've all kind of been hit with this thing this year. Wasn't something I expected maybe early in the year. Everyone was a little bit more panic mode, but as we've gotten here towards the end of the year, we've really kind of emphasized on tax strategies and how to help business owners keep more of what they make. Does that and, transition through the year where maybe bigger businesses are focusing on employee benefits and then towards the end of the year, you get smaller companies coming in knocking on the door at the last minute saying, hey, Tom, help me with my tax burden? Yeah, so if we look at kind of what's going on over the last month or two, that kind of falls into two pieces. That's a perfect perfect question is, 
we have a lot of businesses that are coming to us because they already have a business retirement plan and they want to restructure it and make sure that they're set up the best way going into 2021. Those are typically going to be larger employers where there's more, more of a 401k with a match and kind of more of a basic retirement benefit. But if you want to be restructured for 2021, you've really got to start in Q4 of 2020. So that's one piece. As we Then as we migrate to the end of the year and the December conversation, I'd suggest that 90% of my conversations today are really driven by accountants working with their clients you know, for planning at year end, trying to make sure that they don't get killed in taxes and working with their advisor partners as well on how do we retain wealth? How do we make sure that we're keeping as much of what we make as we can? And if, if the opportunity is to maybe share a little bit more with employees rather than pay a lot in taxes, a lot of clients are very open to looking and exploring those options. I know our clients are looking forward to that. Uh, you know, at the end of the year for us is the same thing, Tom, and that's the reason yeah. you're on this on this podcast with us today is that at the end of the year, everyone kind of waits. And, and to your point, COVID was definitely put a swerve in the plan for this year and no one knew how the, the year was going to end up. And now everyone has extra money and they're looking yeah. at California and, and federal taxes. And if you're in the highest brackets, you're 50% and they understand the tax burden and, the, and they're coming in our door as well saying, hey, what tax strategies yeah. we have. We have a lot of tools at our disposal. We've said it before, 50 plus different tax planning strategies. And this particular avenue is really structured for business owners, probably, for the way I approach with my clients. That's who I end up being, right? I I end up bringing my clients to you, Tom, to help set up these plans. Primarily, you have two sides, right? You got the employee benefit and and the business benefit or the owner benefit. What are the employee benefits? What and what are the and the owner benefits? Owner benefits. So I think a lot of it is when I sit down for that first time. You know, as I mentioned, we're either we're really helping someone get set up the right way from the beginning, or we're restructuring what they've got. If I'm restructuring what they've got, what I have found is that you know sometimes people get get something started just be for a variety of different reasons. They've got a small business. They think they should do something but they don't know what questions to ask really. So they just do something without a lot of strategy. Usually those come back around about two or three years later is when I get involved and saying, okay, we have this tool, but we don't know how to use it. Right. And so part of that is we get involved and now they know more than enough to be dangerous because they know what they've got and it either has worked a little bit or not at all. So now we can restructure that firm in a way that really starts to target what they're trying to achieve. Again, back to employee benefits or tax deductions or a combination of the above. So that's kind of on one side is the restructure. When we start sitting down on the front end, I'm going to kind of come back to that same idea of strategy. If I can catch an employer on the front end before they have a retirement plan, the biggest thing I encourage them to think about is, you know, what are their goals and what's driving the behavior? Why are we doing what we're doing? And it seems like a silly question when I get a client, an accountant, an advisor who calls in and says, look, we want to set up a retirement plan. And I ask them why, like, you would think that would be obvious, but you would get a variety of different answers, right? I have folks that are saying, look, this isn't about me. This is really, I'm just trying to get the best talent on board. I have other folks that say, this is all about me. You know, my people kind of come and go. This really needs to be focused on me and my family and the key people within my organization. On my side, I really just need to know, you know, what's the driver? Because there's a very different strategy 
for kind of the basic plain vanilla program versus something where they're very trying to be very focused on key individuals within the organization. So it's really, I really encourage people to really on the front end, think about their goals and then develop a strategy around what are, you know, what are the specific goals of that owner? Because at the end of the day, they're all called 401k. They're all called profit sharing plans. But what we're going to do for maybe a small construction company is going to be different than a startup biotech is going to be different than a long established doctor's office. We really take a, a close look at their business. We take a close look at their payroll. We take a close look at their revenue to figure out what is the best strategy we can put in place and how can we put a program in in place that works for them, not only for the year in question, which is right now, a lot of people come and say, well, I have this tax problem this year, but I don't know what's going to happen next year. Okay. That's a, we, that's a common scenario. We need to get them thinking about what's going to happen next year, because if we're going to commit to something now, we want to make sure it's something that is sustainable and something that they're happy to offer to their employees on an ongoing basis. So you mentioned that everything's customized and I totally agree with that, that approach, very consultative, very specific. And, and that's the way we approach every, all of our clients here. And you said, Hey, there's the plain vanilla plans. And then there's more complicated, specific plans. Expand yeah. on that. What do you, what is a plain vanilla plan? Do you yeah. So plain vanilla, Oddly, comes in a couple different flavors. <laughs> Sounds silly saying it that way, but so and I kind of look at it as cost and commitment, right? Like, what what are low cost solutions that you can get get up and going? Don't cost you a lot. And you're not committed to a lot. And then as you move up the scale, they cost you more. You they're a little bit more commitment, but you get a lot out of them. So when you start looking at the off the options that are available to employers, on the very basic low end of things, you've got SEP IRAs. So in a SEP IRA, an employer can they set up a retirement plan. It's basically a company funded IRA and the company can fund up to 25% of their payroll into that SEP IRA. Those work really well for what I would call very small businesses, maybe a husband, you know, a husband spouse or just a one owner business. So when I say very small, I'm talking about owners and spouses. If you get much bigger than that, typically you outgrow that type of arrangement. And the reason for that is most companies, when they fund, they wanna put in the maximum amount, which is 25% of pay. But if they wanna do that for themselves, they have to do that for everybody who's eligible. So they, even though they're relatively inexpensive to set up, if not close to free, they can get very expensive on a funding if you start adding, you know, as, as the company grows and they have a lot of employees. So that's kind of on the very easy, flexible, but very small business. As you migrate from there, we start to look at different types of 401k solutions. And a 401k solution really involves two types of funding to keep it high level and simple. It really gives the employee and the owner employee the opportunity to take money out of their pay to put that into the retirement plan. And it also gives the opportunity for the company to make a contribution to the plan in the form of a match. So if the employee puts in a little bit, company puts in a little bit, or in the form of profit sharing which is basically if the company does well at the end of the year, they put money in for everyone who's eligible for the program. So you get two benefits there, right? You get tax deferred growth on that as on those assets that go in that plan mm -hmm. for the benefit, for the employee's benefit and the employer's benefit. Right. And we all know the famous quote by Albert Einstein, the most, I forget how it goes, but it was um, compounding interest is yeah. the greatest thing of all time. Eighth wonder of the world or something like yeah. that. <laughs> and, and so by not paying that tax, you get the tax incentive, which can be quite significant, right? You lower the, someone's 
income taxes today in anticipation of retirement being in a lower tax bracket. From an employer standpoint, they get, again, it circles back to tax a lot of times, is just they get to lower the tax bill, their own personal tax bill. They get more dollars in the coffer. Yep. Anytime you can control more dollars, you're going you're gonna to be able to do more with it, right? So what well, happens after 401k? So when you start to move past that, and the way I try to describe this for our clients is, in my world, when you kind of get on the technical side of it, a 401k plan is called a defined contribution plan because the IRS defines the contribution. They basically put dollar caps or percentage caps on how much can be funded into those types of programs. So you can put a certain dollar amount or a certain percentage of pay into those programs on an annual basis. So therefore a defined contribution. Once that money goes into the program, the employee, the owner, you participate in all the gains and any losses. So you just participate in the market performance of whatever you're invested in. Okay, so that's very typical invest, traditional investing. When you move to kind of more complex plans, there's a program out there called a defined benefit plan. And these are fundamentally different than 401k plans. They are entirely company funded. And the way I like to explain it is there is absolutely no cap. The IRS does not give a cap on how much you can put into those programs. We like that. Yep but they put a cap on how much you can take out at normal retirement age, okay? So they don't, there's nothing in the IRS regulations that you can says you can only fund 100,000 or 200,000 or 300,000 into these programs. What they do in, instead of that, I say when you hit normal retirement age, you can replace a certain percentage of your income and then they cap the maximum amount of income that can be replaced. That number this year, it's $230,000. So if you were to set up a pension plan, the concept is that you put money in over a regular period of time, five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever the case might be when you start it. And when you hit retirement age, there will be enough money in the pool to pay you your income when you retire. And when you do the IRS interest rates and math gymnastics, if you will, on what, yep. where that yep. lump sum comes out, if you want to have enough money in the pool to replace $230,000 a year in income, you can create a lump sum at normal retirement age of about $3 million per person. So the idea is you set up a plan today and we try to work our way towards a maximum benefit, which can be as much as $3 million per owner. The key to that is how much do you get to put in? Remember I said, there's no cap on what you can put in. However, if you are a 35 year old business owner and we set a retirement age of 65, you've got 30 years to deposit money. You've got 30 years for the interest on the money in the plan to grow. You don't get to put in nearly as much as maybe someone who's starting at age 55 who has to get to $3 million, right? They've got 10 years to get to $3 million, their funding number is closer to $250,000 a year. Yeah, they gotta get a lot more money. In. They get a lot more. It's kind of like the time value of money flipped on its end, right? It's yep. kind of the reverse is you're using the fact that you don't have time on your side to get caught up. So these work brilliantly for companies where our business owners are a little bit older, they're a little bit behind on getting caught up for retirement, and they're in a tax situation where They've got what I refer to as substantial excess cash flow, money where they're not using it to grow their business. They're not using it for their lifestyle. They're really, it's extra. 
And for those types of businesses, when you start looking at the available tax deferred or, or tax deduction programs that are out there, retirement plan or otherwise, there's just not a lot left. As we hit year end, everyone realized they have a little bit too much money in the business. The phone starts the ringing. The phone starts ringing because it's kind of the last great solution, but you got to be a business owner to put it in place. Yeah, the DP plan typically from, because of the shortened life cycle and because of kind of the, the, the nature of being a professional is, you know, you don't make that much and probably don't, there are some young guys that do make quite a bit of money, but generally the people that are making the most money are in their forties and fifties and they're getting closer to retirement and they've worked hard their whole life. And here they are in that period of their life where they're making a lot of money and the tax man likes that. This is their opportunity to, to put away a substantial amount of money. Well, and I kind of, I'm kind of the snapshot, if you will, is if you look at maybe a professional practice, it can be a doctor's office, it can be a law firm where they went to school, they got out of school, they had to pay school, right? Had to pay yep. it off. Yep. Then they have kids, <laughs> then they could get their kids through school, right? Those and so, aren't cheap. Yeah, that's not cheap. And so fast forward now, exactly as you noted, we're in our, whether it's mid forties, late forties, fifties, we're kind of done with some of those, those other payments. The practice is now generating enough extra money, but we need to get caught up, right? Maybe we, because of those other expenses, because of other lifestyle things, we haven't had the opportunity to put away as much as maybe we would have liked to. Cause I think I'm sure in your line of work, you see people in their forties, fifties, sixties, who realize they haven't put away as much as they would like to now that they're in their late forties, fifties, sixties and, and retirement is it's a closer horizon for that matter. Yeah. For us. And to your point, that we really look at that situation of the of the person and say okay what's their life going to look like in five or ten years yeah and a lot of times hey when when you're making four or five six hundred thousand dollars and you go into retirement you're going to automatically drop into lower tax brackets so there's instant savings by saving money today at a high tax bracket and then when you retire trying to pull the money out at a lower tax bracket that you're going to do that all day long because you're going to save 15 20 percent in tax and why wouldn't you right Right. So who's the ideal candidate for a DB or the flip to that would be who isn't an ideal candidate for a defined benefit plan? Good question. And I, well, a lot of times I'll get phone calls and maybe they've talked to their buddy or their accountant has one for another client. And it's, it, it's not a one size fits all, right? A lot of times I'll get, a, like I mentioned, a 35 or 40 or it happens to be in a unique income situation i.e. making a lot of money, but they're young. And so they've talked to a friend at a cocktail party or a dinner or something and they go, oh, I need a DB plan. Typically these really start to work. I mean, you can make it work under about 40, but really where you start to get the best bang for the buck, where the numbers start to justify the cost and the commitment is around 40, age 40 and older. You know, the older you are, the bigger your funding, because again, your window from between today and retirement is shorter. The more you can put in, the more justifiable the, the process. Typically a small business, as few of employees as possible, because when you have employees, this is not a benefit just for business owners. It ends up being a fairly rich benefit for employees. Your, your employee cost on these types of programs, generally speaking, is between eight and 10% of pay. If you have an employee that's eligible, they're gonna get about eight to 10% of pay on average in these types of programs two things there. One is 
what's to stop you from just making your retirement date 50 years old versus 65? IRS regulations. It's okay. kind of the simple answer. What's their minimum? 62. Fair enough. Yeah, it used to be 55. <clears throat> Years ago, it got switched 62 for just that reason. Because, if, again, if you make it 55, you can really shorten that window. Yeah, you can. And now you get big numbers for younger folks. So it's 62 today is the is the youngest age we can use. Okay, so now you're moving on to the cost of the employees. Mm-hmm. Ex- maybe explain what a census is and how that plays into, I get the six to eight, but explain it a little bit more for the audience so we understand what you're talking about. Yeah, so what happens when a company, a lot of what we focused on for this conversation so far is tax deduction for business owners, because that's what drives behavior, right? That's why an employer is going to go, is going to motivate some employers to do this is there needs to be an incentive. There needs to be a cookie for them to do it. One of those cookies is the tax planning strategy that goes along with it. Okay. What ends up coming along with that though, is if you have a small business, most small businesses have employees and when you offer a retirement benefit, it doesn't matter if it's 401k plan, pension plan, at some point, depending on the type of plan you put in place, you have eligibility requirements and those employees will become eligible for the program. And when they do, if the business owner is wanting to put in substantial amount of money for themselves, there is gonna be some cost associated with the employees. So what we do as part of our process when we sit down with clients and start evaluating options is we're gonna ask for what you mentioned as a census file. So a census file is everybody's name, their date of birth, data higher wages. So it's a snapshot of the demographics of the group. Okay. And as we mentioned, if our, if my business owners are a little bit older, these work really well when they're kind of the oldest people in the room. And then we have a good average group of employees at different ages and some young ones in the mix, then we can build out a program where maybe a couple people participate at a maximum level into the pro if it's a profit sharing plan they get a higher contribution again because they're older and have a shorter window to normal retirement and if it's a pension plan think of that same arrangement on steroids the numbers are just bigger because again we're not we're not confined by a contribution limit every year but what really drives it is demographics if you've got a business where the business owner's 35 and most of the staff is 55, any of the more creative age-based programs don't work very well. You really want to be looking at something where that's why you tend to see these a lot in professional groups because they are more well-established and they have junior people coming on that they're training. So you have a nice flow of real. You get to put more money in for the older people and less money in for, so the cost goes down the younger the staff. Correct. Yeah. The, the smaller the group of staff, right? Because I yep. say if, if every employee costs you 8 to 10%, or if you do a profit sharing plan, maybe 5 or 6%, okay? doesn't matter. The more employees you have, if it's 5% per employee or 10% per employee, the more employees you have, the more cost you have. And if we're doing it as a tax deduction play, which we've identified, if we're doing this as a tax deduction play, then there's a certain point where you either have too many employees or your demographics don't work very well where it's not tax efficient to fund the plan because at the end of the day this money is not tax-free right we, yep. what we're doing is we're taking money out of our business today we're putting it into the plan in what i would refer to as a tax advantage manner but when we hit retirement as you know we're gonna they're gonna have to pay taxes on it so for this to be efficient for it to make sense for an employer if 
if I'm taking just the tax side into account and not worrying about goodwill and employee benefits and some of the ancillary stuff that comes along with it, you really, I really want to see my key people within the organization getting 80, 85, 90% of the total funding of the plan, because then it becomes a very easy conversation. It's not about whether it makes sense. It's really more about, do you have the money to do this? Because if, if you're sitting in our lovely state of California in a 50% tax bracket, if option A is to make $500,000 and give it, give 250 to the IRS, and option B is put 250 into a retirement plan and keep 90% of it, that's kind of a no brainer if you have the money to, if you have the money to do it. And what comes out of that is really a nice kind of win-win, right? Because if it's tax efficient for the business owner, it's a benefit they're happy and willing to offer. And effectively, some of the cost associated gets subsidized by their tax savings on the program. I'm glad you went through that math because what you hear is cost, right? Oh, I have cost and yeah. I have these employees. And it is, it is very specific to your individual situation. And to your point, the fewer the, the, fewer the employees, the less cost and burden it will be. Wages comes into play, right? If they're all highly compensated, it's going to be more expensive. So who are ideal candidates? Who is it? I know who we see and who we recommend these plans. So there's different, different themes in different years we see, right? So this is, as we kind of opened up early on, this is kind of a unique year. Looking at kind of a snapshot of our clients of who, who we've been working with this year, work with a lot of professional practices. So where there's doctors, attorneys, not so much dentists because they were closed for a good portion of the middle of the year, but a lot of doctor's office, a lot of attorneys of a whole variety of different specialties, small construction companies. Got a bunch of small construction companies because people are staying home. People aren't traveling. What are they doing with that extra money? They're redoing their house. They're building stuff. Yep. You're going to Home Depot, it's packed, right? So a lot of these small little home rem- groups, they're, they're typically pretty small and they're making a lot of money. A couple things have collided to make this work, but both mortgage, mortgage brokers with interest rates being as low as they are and with everybody refinancing, getting down to you know as low of an interest rate as we've seen and as long as I've been alive. That would have to be an independent contractor though and not a W-2 employee. <laughs> Correct. They are independent mortgage brokers. Correct. Yep. So independent mortgage brokers, independent residential real estate people, commercial real estate. You know, if I was to have this conversation with you last year, it was commercial real estate yep. people. This year it's residential real estate just because of what's going on with interest rates and the housing spike and the lack of inventory. We've got a lot of residential real estate people that are, you know, over the last six months have made a lot more money than we're expecting. And again, back to those types of firms, the independent Real estate is typically just one person, maybe a spouse, maybe one assistant. Same with the, with the mortgage space. And that's kind of an interesting phenomenon because I went through the, you know, 07, 08 real estate transition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we had a lot of clients who had plans at that point. And I thought it was interesting as, as that, as we got out of that, most mortgage mortgages were done either through big banks or big firms and mortgage folks were we're all W-2 employees of large organizations. Over the last couple years, the independent mortgage broker where they're kind of standalone hanging a shingle has come back substantially. I probably have met 20 of these folks this year 
And I asked that question because normally they've been W2 of bigger organizations and you're starting to see kind of a resurgence in the mortgage space. And some of those folks, again, with where rates are today, it's typically maybe them, a spouse, an assistant, and we're talking huge income dollars. We've been able to do some really cool things from a tax planning wealth retention strategy for those individuals. How much can you get into one of these plans? So again, there's no cap. (laughs) There's no real cap or limit. What's realistic? But I, I say I make a million bucks and I'm I've got a 55. couple I've got a couple folks if you got some well established business I'm I'm presenting a couple things here at your end kind of the high I'll kind of focus on the higher end where they're going to fund somewhere between 450 and $850,000. So what's interesting to me when you watch the news or you you work for another company most people think that 19, you know, an IRA at $6,000 or a 401k at 19.5, they think that's the retirement limit. Even within a 401k, if you take in what the employee does plus what the employer does, that goes from 19.5 to 57. So if the company's willing to put money in for themselves, they can get all the way up to 57,000 with just a 401k plan. If you have a spouse in the business, in theory, you could double that. So even with a 401k, you can get up to $100,000 pretty easily if you got the income to do it. Okay. Then when we move into that pension space, most folks who do a pension, we don't even, I I tell people, unless you're going to put away for the most part, unless it's a unique situation, if you're not putting away a hundred thousand dollars a year as a starting point, it's probably not a great fit, right? You, the cost and commitment, not that they're huge, but it's a little bit extra for a small business. So unless you're going to put away a hundred grand or more, that's probably when you want to jump on the you know, the pension boss, if you will. And then once you do that, those numbers can be huge. So if I've got a 55, 60 year old who's been working for a while, has a lot of income history, you know, like I said, those are the folks where we're presenting 450, 500. I've got one guy who's considering $850,000 and it's literally him and his wife. $850,000. Out of about a million seven in total income. So we're so that's all in the highest tax bracket. Yeah, all in the highest tax bracket. We're so going to put a over huge... $400,000 in savings. Yep. How many years do you have to do it? So you're generally with these plans, kind of coming back to that defined benefit concept, because we are defining a benefit for the future, the IRS really wants these set up with what they refer to as the intent of permanency. The fun part is they don't tell you what that means, right? So there's kind of what's the best practice. So when you talk to folks like me about this, we're going to tell you three to five years, I lean more towards five. So if you're going to do this, you really want to be prepared to have the program and fund at some level. And I want to, t- I'm going to come back to that, but you want to be able to prepared to fund at some level for the next five years. That does not, here's the big misconception on these programs is the way people get educated through the financial advisory community, through the accounting community is, oh, yeah, you get a deduction, but you have to do the same thing every year. That is completely not the case. You are allowed with these types of plans to put in extra in some years and a little bit less in other years. So for some, of, as an example, some of my, some of the mortgage folks I'm working with, they know that this year, next year, you know, these next few years are going to be their rain-making years. And at some point, the income will slow down a little bit. Okay. So we are setting these programs up and we are specifically what we refer to as overfunding them. We're putting in a little bit extra now. 
Think of it like building in credit. You're building in a little extra credit in the plan so that at some point in the future, you either have to or get to put less money into the program. You want to be prepared to have it for five years as a starting point, but you don't need to be prepared to fund, you know, for someone who's going to be putting in $800,000 a year, they're really front loading that thing. They're not, that's not going to be their number every year. Quite frankly, if the total limit is 3 million, you know, you'd run out of runway pretty quick at $800,000 a year. So it's, you kind of get people caught up in a year where they have a big income year, like this year. And then in the future years, they can not be as committed to putting in those big numbers. And, and that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions on these plans. So what is the risk on the plan? What is the situation where, you know, hey, I'm a commercial real estate guy, probably a bad example this year, but or somebody that's going to get a big bonus this year, a big commission this year. Is am I an ideal candidate for that? I would say sometimes the folks who get kind of a, a bigger commission or a, in the case of a law firm, contingency folks who get a big settlement but aren't expecting to make much money, if not any money, for the next couple of years, those ones are trickier. Quite frankly, those are not always a great fit. Folks who get big commission pops and then may not see income for a while and or, like I said, contingency attorneys, those. It can work sometimes, but the key is you really need to have at least some sustainable income on a on a go forward basis. The other the other place I get a lot of questions is people who haven't done much planning and then go and sell their business call me after they've sold their business and say, okay, well, I've got a million bucks. How much can I put into a pension plan? It's way too late at that point. You really needed to be doing that planning two or three years before you sold the business, not yep. on the year, not once the business is sold and you have the check in your hand, because that all falls into, you know, capital gains and earning income and a whole host of other things. So the planning is key. And then also making sure that you do have some sustainable income on an ongoing basis. If you're, it doesn't have to be as high, but you'll want to have something on a go forward basis. I think we're going to get cut short on time here, yeah. Tom, and I think we could continue talking about this for an hour. What I like about, you know, we use this strategy quite a bit, and, and for us, again, it's for high-income earners that probably are smaller business owners or professionals that have their LLC or their S-Corp that they work out of solely, and we can crank in, to your point, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. Then over the course of you know five, ten years, massive tax savings I mean, that's it's, it's a really really good tool having someone like you that's an expert in it really helps us out i can tee it up for the client we bring it in talk to you and you go through all we didn't even get into the whole process of setting it up but tom you can get it set up in a few days is what you told me it's not yeah it's, we it's, it's just a matter of getting the, the the client to understand everything about it Absolutely. And, and usually it takes a little bit of time, but, and I think kind of carrying that forward, the big, the big thing when we go down this path is we really look for good partners, right? We, and we think the client really should have a firm like yours, Kyle, in the mix and have a good accountant in the mix, because quite frankly, when we go in, we're going to look at the business, we're going to look at their W2 wages, and we're going to tell them how much they can put into the program. We're not really lo looking at 
the big picture or a more holistic look at their pure or at their financial planning picture, you know, their other assets, their house, what do they already have saved? What is their business going to be worth today? What is it going to be worth when they sell it? And I think all of that has to go in, you know, kind of tying back to strategy. When we go ahead and put these things in place, kind of not only looking at each of these things in a silo, but looking at the big picture. And I think that's really where a firm like yours steps in and ties what we do along with other tools you can bring to the table to really make sure that clients get the best big picture solution that meets all their needs over the long haul. Tom, tons of great information. Thanks for joining me today. If anybody needs to reach out to you to save some tax dollars or help their employees help save for financial security in the future, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so probably the easiest way is to just either give me a call at 858-257-3555, extension 101, or an email to tom at premierplanco.com, or call my good friend Kyle, and he'll hook you up with me. It's probably even a better way to go about it. Thanks again, man. Thanks for having me join you today. Hey, thanks for joining me. And I'm sure we'll have you back and we'll go over some other topics because we didn't get through it all. <laughs> we got through a little bit. <laughs> have a good one. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, this is a fantastic podcast. Kyle, obviously, I mean, this is the reason Centura Wealth Advisory partners with amazing people. And, and I appreciate you bringing Tom on the show. There's a ton to digest for everybody that's been listening. And, and again, that's the beauty of a podcast is you can rewind and get that contact information. So please reach out to either Tom or Kyle and, and get hooked up with some great information. Kyle, again, thank you so much for bringing Tom on the show today. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And the last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.